Happy Father's Day. It's a good day. Um, good day to be grateful for our fathers. We had a, a fantastic breakfast yesterday for um, the men's group, but in, in honor of our fathers, um, Scott Hill and an army, um, Pete, Stephen, Pierre, um, who am I missing? Jeff, uh, Kester, uh, Pete Holsey, Stephen Plassant just nailed it with breakfast yesterday. Thank you, gentlemen. And uh, one more, just, just kind of church family note. Um, this will be the, the last Father's Day uh, for uh, one of our fathers, Zach and Mary Evenhouse. It's their last Sunday. I hear they're moving off to Denver. I think it's Denver. Is it Denver? Um, and until the Lord brings them back, uh, we will just have to be praying for them um, while they are out of, of state. And uh, the Lord bless you as a father in your family. Zach, we will miss you and love you. So happy Father's Day. Um, this is also uh, uh, an important Sunday for, especially for some of us who may be a little more in tune with the church calendar, the historic church calendar. It is Trinity Sunday. And um, if you've been a part of a church tradition that really follows this historic church calendar a little more closely, um, you know, Trinity Sunday is, is a Sunday you might appreciate. It's a Sunday that the church has historically used to focus on who God is, think about who God is. Uh, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he's not three gods, he's one God, and that's why we call him often the triune God or the Trinity, because he's, he's one God. Um, and God doesn't modulate between these three persons, by the way. He doesn't spend some of his time as God the Father, and then some of his time as God the Son, some of the, his time as God the Holy Spirit. That's not how it works he is always fully these three uh, different persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And yet he's one God, not three gods. And um, so it's not uncommon for people to say, I don't get that at all. I don't understand how it works in the least bit. And that's actually okay. Um, because if you're like me, you would be unsatisfied with a, a, a simple God that is very easy to get our minds around. Um, we want a God that has mystery about him. He's, he's so big, we can't fully understand him and comprehend him. That's, that makes sense that God would be that way. But the fact that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it actually shows us one of the most important things about God and one of the most important things about ourselves. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. And it has to do with God's love. You see, if God were not three persons, one God, if, if, if he weren't the triune God, 
for all eternity. There weren't three gods, one, uh, three persons, one God. Then when God first created, he may have been loving towards his creation. He may have had the opportunity to be, be loving for, towards his creation. He may have loved you and I, us. He may have done that. But love wouldn't be an eternal quality in God since love is what you have when you have someone else around to love. If God did not exist, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all time, He wouldn't have been able to be loving until He brought about someone or something to love. And therefore, love would be an attribute, would have been an attribute of God, but it would not have been inherent to who God is Himself. And so one of the things that the Trinity shows us is that love is not just an attribute of God, it is who God is, an inherent quality of God. God has always been this loving community, even before there was time. God is love. Now, what does this mean for us? So we're starting this new uh, message series called Jesus in Genesis, and we're going to look at where we see Jesus in the, the first book of the Bible. And one of the places that we see Jesus hidden is in Genesis chapter 1. So I want us to look at the first two verses of Genesis. This is where we're going to start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now what does this say? Well, it says that God creates. Bring that verse back up there, if you don't mind. Um, God, God creates, that's one thing it says, but... It also says that God did not create, God the Father did not create alone. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, creating together. Now, was there anyone else there with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit? Yes, there was. This is where we see Jesus hidden in Genesis chapter 1 because there's another creation story in the Bible. And it's John chapter 1, which begins the same way. In the beginning was the Word, was Christ, was Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And so we have the hidden Jesus in Genesis, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this loving trinity, this loving community creating together. Now, this is extremely important to us because of what Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says. And that's where God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We're made in the image of God, but remember, it is the triune God that we are made in the image of. This loving community, what does this mean? One of the most important things about human beings, and it's this. We were created to be in community. Now let me describe a little what I mean by that word community, because I I don't mean a crowd. So all you introverts out there can breathe a sigh of relief. You're not created for crowds, necessarily. And I don't mean that uh, 
by community, I don't mean, you know, your buds or your girlfriends that you can go out and do bachelor or bachelorette party stuff with. Um, You know, fun friends are great. Crowds are great if you are extroverted. That's not what I mean by community. I mean something deeper than that. One of the things that has been said about what God was doing when he created human beings and placed them in the Garden of Eden is that he was giving human beings roots. He's giving them roots. Now, uh, Simone Weil was a a Christian. She was a, a French philosopher, and this is what she said about having roots. She said that um, to be rooted is perhaps the most important and the least recognized need of a human soul, to to feel like you're rooted. So we're going to talk a little bit about how God gives us roots um, today. When someone says, I'm going to return to my roots, what does he mean? Well, he means that he's going to try to recover his identity, go back to that place that reminds him of who he is. Now, community, in the best sense, is it's a place that helps give us these roots. It reminds us of, of who we are. Christian community reminds us, supposed to remind us, who we are. We, we are, we're loved. We're, we're a part of the community. We're a child of God. We are, we are to learn from what God teaches us. We are to show love to one another. All these things that are a part of deeply of who we are as Christians, the community is supposed to remind us of that. We are shaped by God. The community reminds us of that, that God is always shaping us. And we are made for that kind of a community, that deep community that, that reminds us of who we are. Now, how do we see this? This is where we're going to look a little more in detail at the Genesis story. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 25, uh, page 2 of the Bible that's in the seat in front of you. So if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from underneath one of those seats ahead of you and turn to uh, page 2, starting at verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of all the ground all the wild animals, and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed it up and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And jump down to verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked, 
and they felt no shame. Isn't it interesting that the first time that we see in the Bible God seeing that something is not good is when he sees the man alone. And then God does something about that. Look at verse 20. God does something about that. Uh, For Adam, no suitable helper was found. God made this woman and brought her to the man. Now, there's an important thing to know about that word helper. That, That word does not mean assistant. That word does not mean cook or or cleaner. Um, so the picture is not that Adam had everything all together and he just needed a little extra house help around the house. That is not what helper means. Uh, that word that we, that, we, that we see in Scripture, the word helper there, most often that is used to describe how God is our helper. So if you look at um, Psalm 70, verse 5, You'll read this. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help. You're my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. Notice how we depend on God, our helper. We need God, our helper. That's the sense here with a man and a woman. See, community is about being interdependent upon one another. We are to be one another's helper. We are to help one another to be everything that God has intended us to be. We need one another. And this shows us something about how God has made us. God has given us a gift, and it is this. God's given us the gift of limits. might not seem like a gift sometimes, but that's a gift. Limits mean I have to look beyond myself to grow and to be fulfilled and to be productive. And I want to look at three ways that we are limited as people and that we depend on community. So, number one, I need a community to grow in my walk with God. It's, it's interesting to look at the first thing that God does after he sets the man in the garden. He tells the man, Genesis 2, verse 17, he says, look at that verse, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, let's talk about the, the name of that tree of knowledge of the knowledge of good and evil, these two extremes, good and evil. It's likely that um, the writer is using these two extremes to to be all-inclusive. For example, um, if I say, I don't know where my car keys are, I'm going to search high and low until I find them. What do I mean? Well, I I don't mean I'm just going to look on the ground and I'm going to look up near the ceiling. I'm giving you two extremes to show you that I'm going to look everywhere for my keys. It's likely that the two extremes, good and evil, is not just describing, okay, this tree will give you the knowledge, the wisdom to know what these two things are, but rather everything included inside. Wisdom for life, in other words. God is saying wisdom for life on how to live 
that wisdom comes from me, Adam and Eve. Don't eat that fruit. That's one of your limits. You must depend on me. And when Adam and Eve decide to eat that fruit, despite God's prohibition, what are they doing? Well, they're, they're making this decision. I'm going to live beyond my limits. God has said, I must depend on him for wisdom for life. I'm going to live beyond that limit. Now, here's the deal with the garden. Um, I said that God gave this command to Adam and Eve not to eat. But where was Eve, actually, when God gave that command to, to Adam? Where was she? Yeah, she wasn't around yet. She hadn't been created yet. Um, so, it was up to her community. It was up to Adam to help her how to walk with God, to help her know how to walk with God. Encourage her down that path. He was supposed to help her to be everything that God intended her to be. That's what community does. So you've heard this proverb, Proverb 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, I need to depend on others to help me fully obey God and walk with God and be everything that God intends for me to be. So, Christian community, one thing, uh, helps preserve our godly values because values tend to drift just like going down to the beach and having fun in the surf. You tend to drift and all of a sudden you're 100 yards away from where you started out and you see your family way over there and they're calling you back. Hey, come, come over here. Walk back this way. Our values tend to drift, and it's the community that reminds one another, hey, you've drifted, come back here. Christian community reminds us to walk back. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with Gratitude in your hearts. Now, this is a description of Christians worshiping together. That's us this morning, worshiping together. And we are to admonish one another. That word means to to give logical reason to one another. (laughs) We remind one another of God's logic. And we reason with one another. Life isn't about just pursuing after, what, possessions or achievements or status, um, or impressing others. That's where cultural values drift. Cultural values drift towards those things. Let's get more and gain more and do more and show off more. And the Christian community is providing that reasoning. No, 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 no. That's not God's values for life. Life isn't about satisfying your own desires through sexual pleasure. That's where cultural values drift. And the Christian community says, gives us reason. No, 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 that's not our values. That's how we drift. Come walk back this way. Values drift. Community is what keeps us rooted in the truth. Another thing a Christian community does, it provides grace and accountability that is necessary for obedience. In other words, when I am trying to walk in obedience to God, and when I mess up, 
community is what shows me the grace of God so that I don't just beat myself up and think that I'm a failure and just kind of live in that state. Yet it's there to spur me on, keep moving forward. A few years ago, a friend of mine started evaluating in her life where she was not fully following God and being obedient to God and really searching deeply. I mean, she evaluated her life and thought, okay, I'm not, you know, lying or cheating or stealing. Um, but there's, there's more to obedience to God than just being a good citizen, right? So she really thought deeply about where am I falling off of God's path for me? I'm not living up to what God intends me to be. And uh, she was thinking, where am I falling short in being loving? And my friend is truly one of the most friendly people you will ever know. I mean, she's one of those inspiring types that just can talk to anyone, include anyone, very people-oriented. But as many raging extroverts are, she's not a very detailed person. And she examined her life and, and thought, you know what, I'm, I'm doing a horrible job at is, is being on time to things. You know, I tell my friends, I will meet you there at 7. Well, it'll be 7.30 before she arrives. And she recognized, I'm not being fully loving. I'm putting my own needs above the needs of my friends. I'm considering myself above them when I'm this late in my schedule. And so what did she do? She grabbed another Christian friend of hers and said, I need you to walk with me in this. I need to confess to you when... I am dropping the ball and being late. And then have you show God's grace to me and pray for me. Don't beat me up. Help spur me on. And so she engaged in this this accountable relationship with a fellow Christian friend that would just kind of provide her the encouragement that she needed to grow in that area. See how she stayed within her, her limits, didn't try to do more than God designed her to be, but included Christian community to to help her out. So, question for us. Do you have people in your life that you can share your life with that deeply and invite them in to kind of help you to be fully obedient to God? Next thing that we need community for, we need community to help us be healthy people. Physically, Healthy people. Um, Did you notice the pause between verses 18 and 21? In verse 18, God says, I'm going to make this man a helper. And it's not until verse 21 that we see the woman. So there's this pause. And what happens in the storyline? Well, the animals appear before Adam, and he names them. And it's kind of like these... These other companions in the garden are being examined to see if they're suitable helpers for the man. You know, the the horses go by, the man names the horses, and they're not found to be suitable helpers. And, you know, the the dog comes by. Is that going to be a suitable helper for the man? Well, a suitable companion? Maybe, probably not. The cats come by. Going to be a suitable companion? Definitely not. You know, these different animals just keep walking on by. And God realizes none of these are suitable companions for for the man. God says, I need to make someone 
that this man can love and who will love this man, someone who will share his concerns for life. And so he creates another human being, creates his family, creates a real relationship for him. Now, real fascinating study on relationships. In the 1960s, doctors were evaluating the unusually good health of citizens of this small little town in Pennsylvania, uh, Rosetta, Pennsylvania. And uh, what they noticed is the death rate in Rosetta um, for men over 65 was half of the national average. The overall death rate, not just men 65, but all citizens, was one-third of the national average. So people were found to have almost no heart disease in Rosetta, Pennsylvania. It's this this little immigrant town, um, Italian immigrants living in this little city. And scientists started studying that. Well, what's the, what's the, what's the factor? And they examined their diets. Maybe these Italian immigrants were hanging on to their healthy Mediterranean diets, and they discovered, no, that's not it. They quickly tossed out the olive, guard, olive oil, replaced it with lard, and they're eating unhealthy and just greasy foods. That's not it. Well, maybe these citizens, uh, they maintained their healthy lifestyle in, over in Italy where they were you know, walking everywhere and up and down hills. That's not it. They were living pretty inactive lives in Rosetta, Pennsylvania, and driving around and smoking and just not living physically kind of healthy uh, lifestyle in, here in America. Um, maybe it was their genetics. Uh, they looked at people that moved away from Rosetto, and they found that the people who moved away didn't retain their good quality of health like they did living in this little small community. So they looked at all these other factors. They couldn't find a link between Rosetto, Pennsylvania, and good health. Then doctors started thinking, maybe it's sociological, and they started looking at at life in Rosetta, Pennsylvania, and they just noticed how there were generations of people that lived right in the same house, right next to one another, and how people would just walk up and down town and visit with their neighbors. They would sit on their front porches, and they would, they would, they would spend time with one another. The, the level of community in this deepest sense of providing roots for people was off the charts in Rosetta, Pennsylvania. And this finding between high community and high physical health has been repeated over and over again. So you know the important bottom line, the important bottom line for that study is this. You are more likely to be healthy eating Twinkies in deep community than eating tofu and grape nuts alone. That is not the important bottom line. But this is, it's possible, to, it's possible to be relationally healthy and bodily unhealthy. I mean, it's, it's possible for that. It is next to impossible to be relationally unhealthy and yet bodily healthy. You have to be in this deep community to have, just to have physical health. And why is this? I think it goes back to verse 25, Genesis 2, verse 25. It says, Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. I think shame is the key. They weren't ashamed of who they were. 
They could be their true selves with one another. They didn't have to feel like they had to put on masks with one another. They knew that they were accepted in this community. And shame is what tells me that I'm unacceptable, right? When I feel ashamed, it means I feel unaccepted by the community. I'm not good enough for the community. And that shame will tear us up inside and out. Community is what fills our lives with grace. Christian community is what tells me you don't have to be ashamed. You're you're messed up? Great, so am I. And we can show grace and acceptance to one another. And third thing, I need community to do the work God has called me to do. And men and fathers, we... We try to be very productive in our work and try to grow in our areas of influence so that we can feel like we're we're productive and we're, we're doing work. Well, God gave Adam and Eve work to do in the garden. He said, grow it. Take care of this garden. Cultivate this garden. Genesis 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, over over the the wild animals, over everything. Rule. Have dominion is the job. Let humans be made in our image. In other words, have this loving community. And let them rule. These two parts of that verse are not disassociated from each other. One leads to the other. You're made for community. Live in that community. And in that community, therefore, you will be empowered to do the job that I have given you to do. To to have dominion. To rule. To exercise influence and authority. We said that community gives you roots. Another thing that community does is it provides a tree with an unlimited food source that you cannot see. It's hidden to our eyes as a tree pulls up the the nourishments from the water deep in the soil and the earth. A few weeks ago we looked at John chapter 4, the story of Jesus Um, going out of his way to break all kinds of social customs and norms so that he could bring salvation to this foreigner Samaritan woman that lived a very sketchy past. Remember that story from a few weeks ago? And the disciples, they, they come back to meet Jesus where he is with this woman, and they assume that with this long journey, he would be pretty hungry, so... They told Jesus, hey, Jesus, you've got to be hungry. Go, go get some food for yourself. And Jesus says, I have food that you do not even know about. This, like a tree, pulling up this source of nutrients in a way that is hidden from our sight. Jesus is saying, I've got food that you don't even know about. And this is what he says. The source of Jesus' food. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me 
and to finish his work. Now, who is he talking about? You know who he's talking about. God the Father. It's this loving community that Jesus refers to. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This loving community that Jesus refers to as the the source of his food. The source of his joy. The source of his contentment. From that, he says, I want to do the work that God the Father has given me to do. And he's able to do that well because of the source of joy and and fulfillment that his community gives to him. And then he invites us to be a part of that community, doesn't he? Come join me in this community. And without this community, without, without being fulfilled in Christian community, we will not be able to do the work that God has called us to do. We will not be able to exercise dominion for the good of creation. We will want to use creation to fill some need that we are not receiving. Then we become users instead of givers. We become takers instead of givers. Jesus says, you can be a part of my community. That's why us being Jesus' church is so important because we show grace and acceptance to one another. You're not perfect? Great. Neither am I. We help one another get rid of shame. See, that's what the Trinity shows us. God is inviting us into his community, and we are changed as we experience God's community. We experience his love. We experience the love of Christ through one another. We find security in this community. And as we, as we feel secure and rooted in this community, then we are able to go out and exercise dominion the way that God wants us to, using our influence to not take from others, but to serve others. But don't you see, if I'm filled emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes even physically filled by being a part of community, this community of Jesus Christ, I will see myself rightly. I'm a... I'm a giver. I'm not a taker. So a couple of thoughts. Community is where I learn how to see myself primarily as a producer and not a consumer in all that I do. Community is what frees me to relate to others with self-giving love instead of just trying to take from others to meet this need. That's what Jesus did for us. You think when, when God invited us to be part of his community, he said, well, first of all, we need to see eye to eye before I can let you in on my community. Not at all. Scriptures say that we were enemies of God, not friends of God, enemies of God, and yet Jesus died for us to make us his friends. So if you were to evaluate your level of community, how would, you, how would you describe that? You know, for some of us, this, this may mean, hey, I, I want to be a little, I want to be steady in worship attendance. I want to be here on Sunday mornings being with this family. 
Maybe that means I need to try to be a little deeper with a few Christian friends and, and share a little more deeply about what's going on in my life and, and see how I can encourage them and they can encourage me in my, in my walk. Just think through how we can grow in this community. Because Jesus invites us. He says, come. He says, come and be a part of this. I have opened the way. I have given my life. I have died for you to invite you in. Don't waste this opportunity. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that uh, your doors are open wide for a walk with you. And the doors that you open wide are the doorway of, of your, your church family. We, we come to you together. We, we worship you together. We grow together. And Lord, sometimes community can be tough. We know that. Sometimes we get on one another's nerves. We rub one another the wrong way. And we grow through that. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be deeply in tune with the love of Christ. That sacrifices for us, that shows us grace, that was willing to give all of himself so that we could benefit and help us to love one another in that, that same kind of crazy love. We pray this in Jesus' name.